I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Don Spafford. Don is a partner with Beyonder Holdings, an outdoor hospitality investment company that specializes in RV resorts and marinas. Um, and, and Don, as I said, I'm going to stop there on your bio because I, I want you to tell us your story. But first, please, uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for taking out the time and, and coming to share your story. Thanks, Jason. It's my, my pleasure. Um, I, I I enjoy talking about it. Uh, I know it's uh, you know a, a more unique uh, niche of real estate investing. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, exactly why people should hear about it, because it's something that uh, you don't hear from you know a thousand other people that are, that are around you or see on, on social media. So uh, it's just good to know what else is out there and have some, some options to consider when you're looking for something to invest in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, wh why don't you tell us, tell us your background, kind of tell us, you know, as much as you'd like about, you know, your life leading up to real estate. And then we'll talk about yeah. your real estate journey, you know, kind of, I'm really interested to hear this. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so, you know, to, to kind of fast forward for most of my life, I guess I, I grew up around Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, that's where I went went to school. Uh, you know, went to the University of Nebraska at Omaha. So basically, right next door to Warren Buffett, kind of grew up in his shadow. And so I, I always had a, ever since a young age, I've had an interest in, in investing. I knew I wanted to have money work for me. Um, and uh, so that was eventually my my plan was to be, get more into that, not just invest in things, but actually to know about it and work in it. So uh, I got degrees in in finance, banking, investment science, portfolio management, uh, and accounting. Uh, so I wanted to uh, be able to. At that time, my, my goal was to become a financial advisor, you know, wealth manager, uh, somebody working with uh, investments. Um, and uh, just due to uh, I guess life circumstances and things, whatever, but um, I, I ended up going to school part-time uh, over many years as I was raising a family. And by the time I finally finished uh, was in the spring of 2008. Uh, and uh, of course, as we all know, by the fall of 2008, that's when the markets and the economies all collapsed and uh, all these jobs I was uh, aiming to get to were all going out of business and laying people off. So right. there was uh, kind of like no really hope there. Uh, luckily for me, I was already at least in a job where I worked in that industry. So I at least had some security. I, I was safe. It wasn't uh, my dream job and definitely wasn't uh, you know high paying uh, job, but at least it was a job at the time. So I felt at least you know I, I can uh, take care of my family at the minimum. So as time went on, um, I... I I saw all these things happening, of course, around me with, as we all know, especially in real estate, all these home prices coming down and just, mm -hmm. you know, three, $340,000 homes that are now selling for 70,000. Um, I was like, man, there's a huge opportunity here, but I don't know anything about real estate. I don't know how to take advantage of this. I knew nothing about renting. Um, I, I was, I guess in my, at the time I was envisioning it in my mind, more like stocks. I'm like, I'm going to buy it and hold it for a while and then sell it. Uh, I didn't even think about renting as like i could i was like how am i gonna buy a property and hold it for a few years just to hope to resell it like i can't afford to pay more mortgages so right. um so so i didn't even think about oh somebody's gonna pay it you know rent it and pay it for it but um anyway so as time went on uh a few years later my wife actually became a realtor herself as our youngest child children were getting to school she was uh you know looking for something to do i uh, wanted to have her have a, a flexible you know work uh job where she could uh be available when the kids need it and so uh, she got she, she got into real estate, became a realtor, 
and uh, from the very beginning started working with investors as her very first clients. And that's kind of where my mind started to uh, work again and think, okay, there's there's got to be something here I, I'm not understanding. I got to figure this out. So I started researching, read some books, um, and uh, got at least enough or comfortable enough to at least take the risk and say, let's give it a try and, and, and go for it. <clears throat> we could still buy a, a great property at a foreclosure sale at the time. And, uh, but right about that time is also when we decided actually we need to move from Omaha uh, to move to Idaho where I'm at now. And so I decided to uh, hold off on that. I didn't want to get into something and then, you know, have this long distance property with no, no idea how to manage it. Uh, so that, that, that got put in hold. We moved to Idaho uh, in 2015 and, um, uh, it, about a year later, I got back into it. Once we got kind of settled in to, to, to our house here, uh, kind of got the feel of things. I was now I was still working that same company now working from home, working remotely. Uh, and, um, but I knew that no matter what I wanted, I needed to have something change. I, I was still, I kind of felt stuck in my job because I've been there now long enough that my skill set was pretty much only useful for that job and that company. And I didn't want to go back to school and get more degrees and, and education. So I'm like, you know what, there's, there's little hope for, for a change here without getting, you know, a second job or whatever. So I, I understood enough now by, by that real estate was the, what I saw was, was the key, right? That, that was the, the, the saving thing that could uh, get me the future and the, the, the things I wanted to provide for my family through passive income and through wealth building through real estate. So uh, I was willing to take that risk and take that leap of, of faith and make something happen. Uh, and so I, I, I uh, we bought a, a property here. Was the first one we bought was a fourplex. Um, I took a loan for my 401k because I didn't have enough money and savings to just come with a big down payment. Uh, and I also used a uh, local lender that has a 10% down payment uh, option for an investment property. So I did not have to come up with 25% down. I just did 10%, and I took most of that from my 401k. Um, and, uh, that's what I had to do to make it happen and make it work. It was definitely scary and, and maybe a big risk even, but, you know, I, I figured what, it, you know, what else do I have to do? My, my alternative is file for bankruptcy or, or get a, a second or third job. So it was like, I've got to make this work. So I, I had to hustle and, and make sure it didn't fail. Uh, and so that's kind of what I did just to get that going. And, uh, as time went on and, uh, I looked into different things to continually adding more passive income and, and building more wealth. Uh, I eventually led me to where I'm at today with, like you said, with these RV campgrounds uh, as a very high cash flowing asset uh, for passive investors. Um, and uh, that's literally what what drew me to it above anything else is I was looking for other multifamily and things to do. Uh, this, the, the cash flows were not good enough for, for me to put money into and, and uh, you know, to get to my goal of getting out of my job. Yeah. So uh, what do you, I mean, what I'm kind of curious, like, you're one of the few people that even talk about in the sort of RV and uh, marina type investing. How did you find out? Because that was, if that was five years ago, six years, like yeah. how did you find out about it? How did you come across this as, and I'm sure then it was even better. Like I'm sure the returns were even better. Now some people probably know about it, but it's, how did you kind of get uh, get started there? Yeah, so so actually I, I only discovered campgrounds uh, about two years ago at this point. You know, mm -hmm. I started I started investing, you know, five and a half, almost six years ago now at this point, but um, but I didn't get into the, the campgrounds until about two years ago. Uh, and that was uh, honestly through a podcast, you know, as I uh, would would do my job, you know, again, for that for that finance company I worked for, I, I would sit here and all day long, listen to podcasts, you know, as I worked. Uh, and I usually put them on like you know, one half to two X speed, uh, depending on who's talking. If, if I get a, a fast talker like me, I have to slow it down to <laughs> 1.5 or, or less, but yeah. uh, a regular person that that I, I can put a two X and, and understand them fine. So I would listen to, you know, probably 
four to five podcasts per day uh, as I worked. And um, it just happened one day that there was somebody talking about RV campgrounds. Uh, actually, more specifically, it was the RV parks, which is, is a slightly different model, uh, which I can get at that in here. But, but either way, the point was there was multiple income streams and uh, higher overall uh, cash flows on, on these types of properties. Uh, and so that kind of caught my attention for, for one, for the, just this great, the, the great cash flows, but also uh, the aspect of just a, a kind of, I guess, sort of like a light bulb moment. I was like, wow, wait a second. You know, I live where, where I live here in Idaho. I'm like an hour and a half away from Yellowstone Park. Just about every house here has an RV pad on on the you know the the driveway, and uh, most people have a camper or RV of some sort. So I'm like, there's a huge potential opportunity here for people that you know otherwise would not invest in real estate, but probably would invest in a campground because they obviously enjoy it and they go to these places. So that's kind of where I had this uh, moment that there's very good possibility here of, of getting something that uh, I may not otherwise achieve with traditional, you know, multifamily or other real estate. Um, so that's really what made me want to research it more. I started going to webinars and connecting with other people that are in that space just to learn more and, and get educated. And uh, initially my, my goal was just to find somebody that may want to buy one in this area and I could be their boots on the ground and, you know, just get my foot in the door and, and learn, learn the process from them. It was my initial goal. Uh, and uh, just by doing that and networking with the people that are in that space is how I eventually came across the guys who are now my partners and, um, and kind of everything went from there. Well, you mentioned that they have, you know, m multiple revenue streams yeah. within. And so, so what are those? How do, you know, I feel like we, we do talk, talk a lot about multifamily on here and it's like sort of, you know, you have your rent and then you have maybe, you know, pet income. There are, are you know, other things, but they're, but they're fairly standard across, uh, in general, you know, apartment communities, they're going to have similar, um, you know, additional fees, other, other income. How does it, how is it, uh, with your RV parks and, you know, kind of your marinas, like how does that break down in, in other asset classes? Sure. Yeah. Well, so, so going to what you're, you're saying here, like with, with multifamily, for example, I, I, I like to use that, that an example, because that's what most people know and understand that they're familiar with it. So, uh, as you said, there's your, you're going to have your main income stream is your, your, of course, your rental income. Then you might have some additional like pet fees and then uh, laundry, uh, and that's maybe about it. It might be like one or two or minimal things, but um, for the campground deals that we're in, um, there's, you know, could be up to maybe 10 or, or more income streams. You know, you get your, your standard rents, your, your nightly rentals, you get your weekly rentals and monthly rentals, um, depending on who, who's all staying there for how long. Uh, but you also then typically have uh, many places will have like a, a uh, um, like a, I don't know, like a conference center or, or meeting place like a, a reception area i guess people held like a you know wedding receptions or, or party events or whatever those those buildings alone will rent out for a decent amount of money um sometimes 200 to a thousand dollars a night depending on the location and, and everything but uh then you got uh you know people that are paying for for just snacks and, and things that like a, there's gonna be like a camp store that sells you know little things that people need like water drinks and all that kind of stuff um you may have a a a you know, like a, a small bar and grill or something there on site that will serve some some small food things. We did, we we may have some properties that have a restaurant on site, but we don't run the restaurant. We just you know rent out the building. So the building itself will be additional rental income for a restaurant that's paying for the spot there. Um, you may have if you're like in an area that has like a a lake or or a river or some kind of water feature like that, you could have uh, boat rentals um, or at least the the docks spaces that will you rent out the, those docks uh, slips. Um, there could be uh, again like some something like that with renting paddle boards uh, or, or other, you know, 
water use things, aqua parks, people pay to go and jump on a, you know, a big aqua park thing on the lake. Uh, you may have uh, a big thing is golf cart rentals. People love to use the golf carts to get around the, the property rather than walking everywhere. Um, that's your additional income there. Uh, you there's, there's, yeah, there, there's the, almost the, the, the great thing about this is there's almost unlimited upside potential as far as what you could create and, and do there, you know, find something that will work and, uh, and, and make it happen. I mean, uh, we've got some properties that we're building out, uh, like an amphitheater to have, have concert events, right? So people that can come there may not become there for camping, but they'll come for the concert while they're there at the concert. They'll, you know, might as well go hang out in the lake and you know pay to use some, the paddle boards or whatever, buy some food drinks, all that kind of stuff. So all these additional uh, just uh, you know, additional income sources help build over to the, the total uh, NOI on, on the property. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I wouldn't have even thought of all this. I mean, that's just, it, it's almost whatever your imagination can, you know, sort of, exactly. I, I, suppose, right. I don't know, this just popped in my head, but you, maybe you could put like a mini golf course on them or something. I'm just thinking yeah. like, you cut, you've probably yeah. got a lot of do. space on most of them. Um, how do you find them? Like, how do you source these deals? So for for our team, most of our deals we we go direct to the current campground owners. Um, so we we typically don't go through brokers. Uh, we have bought one so far from a broker, but uh, most of the the list of properties for us just won't work for a syndication anyway. Uh, they may be fine for if you're going to be a you know owner operator, but for a syndication model, we need much higher re returns than what we are finding on typical listed properties. Um, and so we go we basically just call up the campgrounds. You know that the, the the great thing about these uh, these this niche is that most of the properties are owner operated, you know, mom and pop. So they live there, they they run it. So most likely, if you call them up to uh, say just you know for making reservations anyway, they're probably the ones that are answering. So it's pretty easy to get a hold of the owners and and just uh, from there, you know, ask them uh, you know <laughs> if they're willing to sell. You know, so uh, most of them probably are not, but uh, you know it takes a lot of lot of phone calls to go through to find the ones that are. But when you do. Uh, you can typically work out a great deal, and and half the time we get seller financing on them because they they've probably owned them outright for maybe even through generations of their own family, um, and then we just go get creative from there, right? Work out some kind of uh, way to make it work for for them and for us. And uh, if we don't get seller financing, we'll just get bank financing either way, um, and then of course do a syndication to to help bring uh, the the equity we need for it. Is Seller financing makes sense. Is is it hard to get bank financing on these? Is it just are, are there banks that are maybe now there are more banks that are yeah, sort so. of I guess geared or at least experienced in lending on this? What what's that look like for you? Sure. So I wouldn't say it's hard to get it. I mean, it it, it, it takes some searching around. Sometimes we we've got a few banks now we work with that uh, you know we don't have any problem with now. But early on there was uh, you know. It, you use like a, a local regional bank that may already have had the, the note for that property in the first place. So, so they're, they're familiar with it and uh, we can get a, a, a loan for that. But uh, sometimes you run into situations where you have uh, like, for example, we had, we had a property in, in Missouri that we closed on last year. It's in basically the, the Lake of the Ozarks area. Uh, and this property has, uh, first of all, it was on a land lease. So the Army, of Corps Army Corps of Engineers owned the land. So we have to lease the land from them. Uh, and so some banks have a problem with that. Some don't. Uh, and then on top of that, we have a hotel and a restaurant and uh, the boats, docks, slips. And so all these different things added on. So some, some might say, well, we like this, but not that, and you know, vice versa. So uh, that one, just because of the the time involvement, trying to track down a bank that could do all of it without any problem, uh, we ended up going seller financing on that one just because the, the sellers understood the situation. They're like, yeah, well, let's just, we'll, we'll finance it. So we did that. Um, and uh, of course, we're, we now have other banks that we are working with. At the time, that was a, a local bank we were trying to do it through. Uh, but we now have other national lenders that uh, can can do all those things without any problems. That uh, so so going on at this point, we don't think we'd have any problem financing any of our, our properties that we come across. 
Uh, we've got a good selection of, of banks to choose from that, you know, can can do different things. So there are exclusive uh, campground lenders. Um, so so yeah, it's that's I wouldn't say it's difficult, but it definitely can can be a bit challenging depending on the circumstances. Uh, the one thing that is maybe a turnoff for for some people looking to buy these properties is that uh, you cannot get non-recourse loans on these as of right now, anyway. Uh, so like you know you, you can't get a Fannie Freddie type type loan. Um, and so for, for our team, we don't have a problem signing on a recourse loan because um, we, we of course we we fully believe in these properties and we of course do our, our extensive underwriting to make sure it's a great home run deal in the first place. But but uh, there's some people that yeah would have had would have a problem or, or fear uh, I guess of signing a, a recourse loan. Um, so that's about the only thing that really sets it apart versus other types of real estate. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I I think you have it's. I feel like this is kind of was the story for, I don't know how many years ago, but, you know, sort of self-storage had that same, mm. when people were starting to look at self-storage, it was as more, um, I guess, from an institutional level or, or just from a syndication level, it was like very, very mom and pop ownership heavy. And it sounds yeah. like this is kind of a similar, similar scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I've spoken with, you know, self-storage lend, uh, investors that, you know, similar concept with getting the lending on, on those self-storage deals, at least in the beginning. And I think it just, it just takes a little time for the lenders to come around and get, get comfortable. Um, and maybe, so then maybe at some point there will be non-recourse loans for, for these campgrounds as well. Yeah. When, yeah. Well, there, there's just that there are some that are out there, but they're at a much higher cost to the point that right. it doesn't really make sense to even go for it. You know, and this it's more like things, if you really, really want it, here it is, but you got to pay a lot for it. So at yeah. first it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, people always talk about multifamily being, you know, you're not buying a, a property, you're not buying real estate, you're buying a business. But I would, I would say this is probably even more so like that. You know, you're, yes, yeah. there's property associated with it, although it sounds like uh, that deal in the Ozarks, you were leasing the property. So it, it, you're, it's more of a, I guess, a business plan or a business model than it is just real estate ownership. It, it, there's some, maybe some real estate ownership component to it. But if you're going to, implement all of those different income streams, you, you do have to really look at that, you know, sort of from that business perspective. Yeah, exactly. What are you, so with that, is is the underwriting harder? Or how do you kind of model these out? I, I'd yeah. imagine it's, it makes it, you know, there's a lot of different moving pieces. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it definitely is more complicated than I'd say your, your traditional, you know, multifamily or, or self-storage or something. Um, being that there's no, standard uh especially again, the, just to give some clarification on, on what we are buying uh we are specifically purchasing these uh like resort destination vacation campgrounds not not uh you know where people live there year round so you can have a you know that mm -hmm. more of a guaranteed uh, expected income like yeah it's going to rent for this much per month you know 12 months of the year this is what you expect for income for us this is a much more like transient type of of, uh, of, a, of a property so very similar to like a hotel model or, or like I refer to it as like a short-term rental at a multifamily scale. So you don't have guaranteed people staying so many days per, per, per week, per, per month to count on here's my projected income. Uh, so we have to go really, really drill down and understand the, the property itself, the historical performance, the area, the, the, the needs, uh, and, and I guess the growth of, of camping in that area. And of course what we can do to improve the property, to attract more people to come there. Um, so there, there, we, there's definitely, Going again, going back to those multiple income streams, uh, it, it's a bit more complicated because you got to make some, uh, you know, projections on, on what to expect. You know, how much these are going to rent per per night and per week, per month, uh, and what percentage of those are going to going to do that. 
but again, we can pull from past historical performance from the property for the past you know, few years. Okay, here's what it's been doing, what they've been reporting. Uh, we can expect that at least that to continue, if not better, as we make improvements. Uh, and of course, we'll compare the the market rents in the area to see where where they're at, and, and I'll add this to to increase those up. But but uh, typically for us, as, as part of that, again, part of it because it's so, so complicated, we try to simplify it by by being being extremely conservative on our underwriting. Um, and I know everybody says they have conservative underwriting, which I, I don't know how much I believe that as we're now seeing these days, many properties that are not doing so well. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but for us, I can I can honestly say that we are extremely conservative with our underwriting uh, in the fact that there's we don't even include some of those income streams that we know are going to be there. We just cut them off completely. Say we're not going to count on that at all. Uh, we don't inflate the the rents to say you know if it's say, renting at like thirty dollars a night, but uh, market rents are you know fifty or sixty dollars a night. We don't do our projections at that level. We'll we'll either keep them the same as they are now, or maybe a slight increase from thirty to thirty five. You know, like a very tiny increase, knowing that we most likely will still rent them at fifty dollars a night or, or more. Um, so things like that, we are we're we're very conservative on on those projections for the income. But we also uh, are are very conservative with the with the expenses. So we'll overinflate the insurance. We'll overinflate the um, the uh, employee costs because you know, again, these properties do have staff. You're not just being a property manager. You got to have a handful of staff to run the property. Um, so all all those things we take into account. And so after all that, if we end up with a number where we're at least hitting our, our target returns that we're looking for, then we know this is going to be a, a home run property, uh, being that we know that we're going to just you know, just destroy those numbers that were under from our calculations because we have so much more that's going to add to that. Um, and so we're like, look, we're basically looking at if in the worst case scenario, if this is going to hit our, our target returns, then great. This is going to be a, a fantastic property. That's what one we'll, we'll, we will go after. If it doesn't, that's one we'll, you know, cast to the side for now. In, you know, speaking of that, you, you've mentioned that the, the returns are, you know, you, you didn't want to invest in multifamily because the returns weren't Want what you really wanted to put out to your investors. So, what are yeah. you, you know, sort of targeting for returns on these types of deals? Yeah, yeah. And again, this is what you know initially attracted me to this space because I was myself looking for higher returns. Yeah. Um, and so, on an average property for us, what we target is is uh, we're looking at twelve to fifteen percent average cash on cash. So that's like an annual, you know, cash cash flow returns. Not, uh, I've seen some people's, uh, um, I guess, projections on on their offering materials where. Their cash flows includes the the equity at the end that they're kind of backtracking. Yeah. It's like, like yeah. well, that's not true cash flow. <laughs> you can't count that. So, so we're looking at actual cash on cash returns. Your cash flows per year of twelve to fifteen percent average, um, and then adding on the equity at the end, we're looking about you know two and a half three x multiples on on a five year hold. So, you know, typically you know eighteen to twenty five percent IRR is the range, um, and so that's kind of what we're what we're targeting. And honestly, for me, that's compared to what I've seen in other properties. That's yeah, that's like you know two or three times better than, than most other things I see there, are, you know, maybe a four to 6% average cash on cash and two X multiples. Right. So, uh, overall higher returns on the cash flows, higher return than equity multiples. And I can say that, uh, most likely higher returns for your, for your depreciation as well. So, um, the, it's kind of the, the great thing the maybe hidden secret about these properties that I, even myself, I didn't quite understand or, or consider at the very beginning when I got into it, because I first got in and people would ask me, you know, as I talk to investors, they'd say, well, what kind of depreciation is there to expect? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's probably not much, <laughs> you know, but uh, I didn't know. You know? And then uh, as I, you know, talked to cost segregation experts and uh, they said, oh, yeah, there's potentially huge depreciation. I'm like, all right, that, that's good to know. And then, of course, I learned later how and why. But uh, I heard from some other people that uh, in, in previous years had invested with some other campgrounds, not, not ours, but just other ones that are out there. And 
uh, they said they got like a 150% depreciation on, on one of their properties. I'm like, wow, that's that's good to know. Uh, and so yeah. I knew there's that expectation that we could potentially get over 100%. So I, I'd tell them, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll probably be in the you know 70, 80% range, but there's potentially could be over 100. Uh, I can speak you know as, from experience now, as we closed out last year, we, we closed on four properties last year and we did cost integration studies and all of them. Uh, on one property in particular, uh, we actually gave back to our investors on their K1s a 222% depreciation. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, almost unheard of. <laughs> Could have like yeah, that. What crazy. the heck? You know, so, uh, so yeah, for those that are that are looking for high depreciation, this is definitely a great asset class as well. If, you're, if, you're, if you don't care about cash flow, you don't care about depreciation. If you need de depreciation, this is where you can get it as well. So uh, that's, that's one of those, uh, I guess, the hidden gems of this space as well. Yeah. How... Uh... I mean, we don't have to get into a whole cost segregation <laughs> yeah. discussion, but the, I mean, that's a little bit surprising to me because, you know, in, in multifamily, they separate out the land. So yeah, I guess in my head, you know, mm -hmm. the bulk of what you would think of in a campground is, is, is land. And so I, you know, I, I, I get now you've got all these other income stream streams and stuff, but it's just kind of, uh, that is, I would not have expected that. So that, that's actually fascinating. The, the higher cash flow makes sense. Like, but I, I, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's excellent. That's excellent news. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, a cost segregation expert or, or CPA or financial advisor. So I couldn't really give you a full explanation of how that's possible, but uh, I can definitely share, you know, if those that are interested. Yeah. They can, you know, we can get on a call and I'll, I'll kind of work you through it, how, how that's possible. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all super interesting. I, I think th this will be great. I, I told you, you know, I don't, uh, we haven't really talked to this about this um, at any length anyway with anybody. I think I've, I've talked to a few people that were, maybe toying with the idea of getting into that space, but um, not, not doing it at the level that you are. Um, Don, I want to, I want to switch gears and, and kind of get to the part where I get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Um, sure. The first one is uh, based on the name of the show being know your why. So I always ask everyone, you know, what is your why? What, what drives you, you know, kind of what's, what's uh, you're obviously uh, had a lot of success already, but um, doesn't seem like you're intending to stop. So what keeps you going? Yeah, well, I, I do intend to stop someday, <laughs> but uh, um, I still got a ways to go. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think for, for me, and I, I assume for most people, the same thing is my, my why is has changed over time, right? It uh, evolved, and and as things in life happen and whatever. But um, <clears throat> what what got me started with real estate initially, again, it was going back to uh, overall, even now, I guess the, the overall the, the the main thing is, is family. Um, that's what uh, I, the reason I, I do it all and. Uh, initially, when I first got started, again, it was uh, I, I had the 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 goal of one day to be able to uh, ha have enough passive income to retire from my job, so I could spend more time with my family. Um, as things happened and went on, eventually, it was also I wanted to have income to help take care of my mother as she was uh, she was ill and not doing well and was going to need more professional care at some point. And she's the reason we moved to Idaho in the first place. Uh, and then later it was as my kids started to grow, I'm like, wow, I got to pay for college and you know, all these things. You know, so all, all these like life events happen that, you know, I, I was like, I, I want to have the, the resources, the ability to have time freedom to be there and help people that are in need. And also have the resources to be able to, to do something about it. You know, it's one thing you yeah, have got time to sit with my own in the hospital, but I can't help pay her bills. I can't help pay for her care. Then, then you know, what goes that going to do? And then just, you know, being with her. But uh, I want to be able to do both and to help take care of those I, I, I love. And, um, and now that, uh, you know, I, I can say that uh, because of, of that, those steps I've taken, I I have been able to leave my my W two job at the end of uh, 2022, uh, so I'm full time in this now. So I have that time freedom to to kind of do what I want, but but uh, not quite the the level of, of the income where I want to be just yet to uh, to really 
do more and, and give more because I'm big on, on giving and, and uh, serving. Uh, that's, you know, our, our, my wife and myself, our ultimate goal is to be able to do more at a bigger level to, uh, to help more people. Uh, that's kind of our, our, our big why, other than of course, taking over our family, it's just to be, be able to help others. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that, that I, I love the point you just made about, you know, you, I, cause I think a lot of people think there's right. There's two options. You can either have time for the, the things that you, you know, like family or taking care of your mother or something, or you can have the money to pay for, you know, sort of that care and everything that it's, it's, it's either, or, and, and it, it's not true. I mean, it, it does, it takes some work and there's a lot of steps to get to the point where you can have both of those, but you can have both of those and, and um, your proof and, and most of my guests are proof of that. You've, you've got to take some steps. You've got to take control of your own, um, you know, sort of financial literacy and, you know, financial um, picture, but, but ultimately you can, you know, we can take care of our parents as they age and also spend time with them. Like it's, it's just, you just got to kind of think about this as, you know, uh, uh, a work in progress. That's going to take a little bit of time, but, but it's, it's definitely um, reachable. Right. Um, tell us something about yourself that, that isn't common knowledge, special skill, hobby, uh, anything you're comfortable sharing. Uh, well, I'm not sure how common it may be or may not be known, but uh, I do speak Spanish uh, fluently. Uh, in fact, I was just on a, a, a Spanish-speaking podcast uh, last week, so oh, awesome. um, it, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's something that um, you probably wouldn't guess from from seeing or speaking with me. But uh, yeah, actually, I, I served a mission for my church uh, in in Argentina uh, from 1998 to 2000, and that's kind of where I really you know, learned it and became fluent. My wife is from Paraguay, so we speak it at home still. Um, and uh, you know, I actually started a, a Spanish translation business back in you know around 2000, 2001, from there. Um, to kind of do that as a, as a side hobby project, but also a way to bring additional income, hoping that maybe I could create something more into that and have that be my full-time job. But uh didn't quite work out in that with that, but um, but at least did provide some additional income and some help. But, uh, but yeah, that's a skill that, uh, that I have of speaking and, and, and writing uh, in, in Spanish. So yeah. Awesome. And then I guess aside from that, maybe my, my hobbies, I guess that, uh, uh, I actually enjoy uh, coin collecting. I have a, a large coin collection and also uh, like paper banknote uh, collection as well. Uh, a huge uh, part of that is Argentinian, Argentinian coins and, and, and currency, uh, but also just world currency. I, I like I like collecting the world currency because they're a bit more colorful and, and exciting than the U.S. currency for the most part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is so true. It's, it, it's, I think we have about the most boring. Uh... <laughs> currency is of anywhere I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say I've traveled all over the world, but but usually what I've seen, it, it just looks so much more exciting than, than ours. Um, no, that, that's, that's really, I'm sure um, aside from, you know, kind of being able to use it as a, as a teaching tool, being fluent in Spanish, I think uh, is probably tremendously helpful, you know, kind of on the, on the business side of things as well. So um, super cool. I, uh, I that, I didn't know that. I'm not sure who will, but um, that's. Thank you for sharing that, um, Don. When people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, well, as we, I think we mentioned it early on. Uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there uh, pretty easily. Um, you can also find me on, find me on Facebook as well. Um, the other option is, of course, to go to our website, uh, beyondercamp.com. Go to the holdings tab for for our investment side of things, and then uh, or or the about us tab as well. We'll, we'll uh, kind of find you'll find me, find my name. You can uh, right there schedule a call with me for my uh, uh, calendar link that's on that site. 
that's the best way to probably get hold of me. Or, or if you want to, just by email, don at beyondercamp.com. Awesome. And all of that was right there behind you, but we will also place it in the show <laughs> notes for people yeah. who are listening, but uh, they should be able to find you. Uh, I know from personal experience, very active on LinkedIn. So should be able to find you there for sure. Um, my last question for you, what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to get started investing in real estate? And you you can kind of take that in whatever direction you want, whether that's, you know, specific to what you do or just overall in general, what, what would you, what would you tell someone that that's, you know, kind of looking to follow in your footsteps? Well, I would say my, my response would vary depending on who I'm talking to, like what, what age, what experience, um, I'd say anybody that's young enough that uh, wants to get started or, or it should be young, I guess, but if you don't have a large family to, to really need space for, um, do a house hack is probably the, the best and easiest way to get started. You know, I've, I've already ingrained that to all of my kids when they're ready to buy a house, they're going to do a house hack. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, the, the easiest way to get involved with, you know, buying a you know duplex, triplex, fourplex and have your, your rent mortgage paid for you. So you can live for free or at least close to free and start building that wealth and, and income. Uh, that's definitely one thing I, I share with just about anybody that's just looking to get started at, at, at that point where they could do that. That wouldn't work for me. But by the time I learned about really real estate, um, you know, I had four kids and uh, it'd be make, hard to make that work. Hard to and my wife went to cram okay, all the kids in the, the one <laughs> yeah. room. So, yeah. Um, but uh, if you're st starting age, later age like myself, and first of all, I just want to say maybe squash a couple myths, right? Like I, I'm, I'm proof that you don't need a lot of money to get started. I didn't have it. I had access to it. Again, I, I took a loan for my 401k, maybe a bit risky, but uh, I was able to make it work. Um, but, uh, but there are ways to get started with, with little or, or low money without needing, you know, hundreds of thousands or, or millions to get started. Um, so just connect with people that are, are doing it in this space, like myself and like, like Jason and others, um, just kind of follow it and learn from, from others and what they've done and what they suggest. And I mean, just listen to podcasts. And that was a big, big factor for me, just listening to hundreds of podcasts is that I, I heard all these experiences from, you know, hundreds of people that uh, had, had done different things and, uh, I could pick up, you know, things that they've done and, and uh, learn from their experience and um, just all those things combined is what will add to your overall knowledge and help you decide what's best for you and what your path is. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it's, I mean, the, the, the knowledge is out there. It's excessive. You know, you, you, it, it's hard in this day and age of technology to say you didn't, you didn't know, or I couldn't find out what I wanted to know. I mean, it's, it's fairly accessible. Um, as you said, there's like, almost every real estate investor has a podcast. Like only there's so many of them. Everybody has a book. Like you find the people that are doing what you want to do, or maybe even a couple of people that have, if you're really in the beginning, you're not sure what you want to do. Find a couple of people that just, um, you feel like you have alignment of values. You know, you, you listen to them on a podcast and you're like, you know what, that, that person has, um, you know, they have, they have a family, their strong family orientation or their strong uh, a religious for orientation or wh whatever the case may be, they have some foundation in a cause. Like there's, find someone who you connect with and and look at what they're doing. Cause I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of us, as you get into it, you, you do start to look at it, as you mentioned, like you really start to look at it as what, what's the bigger impact I can have. It's like, okay, I figured out, I figured out how to take care of my family, the, the people, <laughs> the people that live in my house and, and maybe our parents and that sort of thing. But like now you know, you then you just start thinking bigger and, and outside of your own small bubble. I think it, it, that's that's when things get get really interesting. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, Don, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for sharing everything. Uh, I, I know people are going to love this. Um, 
uh, and be, you know, sort of reaching out to you to, to find out more. Thanks. Thanks Jason, for, for the time. Let me come on. And yeah, I'll, I, my, my, my I guess my goal here is just help uh, inspire somebody to, to hear something from this and feel like they can, uh, you know, take some action and, and change their life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that it will um, folks listening, you know, definitely, definitely listen to what he said um, and please uh, go ahead and like rate and review the, the podcast. It allows us to get more great guests on like Don. That, that's how we kind of keep this thing going. So help as many people as possible. Um, so everybody have, have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.